Hello, guys, and welcome. Welcome to Behind the Bunker. This is episode 409 here uh, of our regular show and 273 of our podcast version of the show. So thank you very much for tuning in. This is the Wellington Street Studio. Hang every Monday night at 8 o'clock. If you guys are just joining us, make sure you hit that like and share button. Let people know out there that we are live because we have a special show tonight because, uh, well, Gavin Sharma's in the show. That's right. Always special one in here, folks, but it's extra special tonight because my nipples are so hard right yeah. now. And you'll find out shortly about why that is. Gavin is special. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then uh, we have uh, Joe Kimson from Flaggerter's Paintball as well. Greetings and thanks for tuning in tonight, guys. We've got a great show. John's going to talk to us about the history of paintball. Not that you haven't heard it all from me, but this is coming from another voice. And Mike Pev from... Uh, Mike Pev from Pev's Paintball is here. That's right. And we're seeing lots of guys joining in. I see George. Hey. Hey. Richard Knott, DJ Gizmo. We're seeing Simon Stevens, Tucker Danielson, uh, Brian Barno. Nice to see you as well. And uh, Gizmo, I haven't seen you in a long time. We're going to have to make a trek your way maybe this year. Um, So, yeah, with with us via our satellite Mm -hmm. office, we have John uh, from Paintball Media. What's uh, up? There he is right there. And uh, we also have Mike Pev Peverall all the way from Go Sports as well. How you doing, everybody? Good day. Yeah, I see what you mean, Gavin, about his mug, eh? It's sexy. A handsome guy. (laughs) (laughs) Modelo. That's what what makes it better. So we're going to watch the live chat. We've got it loaded up tonight. So if you guys have any comments, questions, or concerns, put them up there, and we'll try to... um, um, keep up with we'll it. try to keep up with it. Uh, Greg Hastings basically says weirdos. I agree. <laughs> and uh, nice to see John from Ruthless Paintball. He's uh, in, in in Ecuador. 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 So we're going to talk some old school paintball stuff uh, very shortly. We're also going to be talking about a great documentary that John's working on. Uh, but before we do that, we'll just go to a couple quick things in the news that we uh, that I wanted to cover from last week. Still, um, last week we were talking about camouflage. Yes. And uh, this was sent in from, um, oh, no, I cut off his name. Damn it. Okay, so anyways, this comes from a fellow. He said, here's uh, my camo for that pattern conversation. And what is that, Joe? Is that ACU? That's an ACU, yeah, on his grandmother's couch. Yes, I also have grandma's couch uh, camouflage. It's fantastic. There's nice. floral pattern. <laughs> I have some as well. Did you macr- plastic. Did you macrame it yourself? <laughs> yes. Uh, Doilies. Com- couple other things. I don't know if you guys have seen this yet. I did. But if you take Planet Eclipse and you take Push and you make a bastard child, this is what comes out of it. You get the Push goggle system uh, with the Planet Eclipse. Is not Flectorn. It's the HDE. That's what it is. The HDE camouflage. If you guys are listening to us in podcast, you'll have to go check it out. It is fantastic. I'm loving it. Um, One other thing I wanted to show you. um, We used to talk about these old school things, but have you seen this? This is the new product uh, from UZ. It's clip-in glasses that will fit inside your uh, inside your paintball goggles. Yeah, JT used to have a system like that, but not quite as sophisticated or advanced as uh, that to be yeah. used in multi-platform. I so. bought some in the very original days from our sales rep, Marty Tripes. Nice. The day. That's going back old school. So thanks for... Familiar with that as well. Now, why would you be familiar with it? Well, well, there was a there, one of the one of the guys involved with us back in the day was a guy named Joe Mathern, who was a licensed optician, and uh, he made uh, he created a company called Eye Armor, and he was making goggle inserts back in the day, and actually was selling them all over the world for goggles, and actually worked with JT back in the early days that, to create that insert for them. Ah, Very look cool. at that little history already. Thanks, Pat. Yeah. 
era. Wow. Yeah, so nothing new, but it's nice to see someone back on the market doing it because if you need to wear spectacles while you play, this is a, another good way of doing it. I, I, I've not delved into contacts, but I can only imagine it's not being very comfortable after a day of play, right? Uh, a few hours and your eyes start getting a little uh, sore. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, Planet Eclipse a few minutes ago, They've got your back. Gavin, where are they this week? Oh, my goodness. They are taking a little bit of a break this weekend, but not 100% because they are at the TAP event down in Argentina, Buenos Aires, uh, this weekend. Uh, event number one, or the Marcelo Costa will be teching, and uh, it's going to be a great time in Buenos Aires. And, and PE has your back. That's right. Of course, if you can't get there, Gavin Sharma's got your back anytime, anywhere. anywhere. Just find him at an That's event. Right. And he will get you. Bring me nachos. <laughs> so make sure you guys hit that like and share button. We want to let people know that this show exists out there. And uh, we're going to get to some good stuff in a few minutes. A couple of things I want to let you know is uh, two weeks ago, we wore some great new shirts, custom shirts. Uh, that was from Field to Podium Customs. Make sure you guys check them out on uh, Facebook. And uh, speaking of custom stuff, Ruthless Paintball. If you guys go over to their website right now, you can find these bad boys on their website. And if you put the promo code BTB15 in, you can get 15% off your order. And you can look just as cool as Gavin Sharma. That's right. Mm-hmm. So definitely head on over and check that out. Um, Matt, we've got a, a... We've got a... Oh, see if I can find it here. Late breaking news. Something that's happening. For those of you that are on the west side of North America... Uh, Matt and I'll have an announcement very shortly to let you guys know. But before we get to that, I want to tell you guys about Fort Knox. There are four big games this year, all sponsored by Behind the Bunker. Yes. Make sure you guys head on over and check that out. Paint Fest. This is the day where Joe's giving away Ooh. free entry and free rentals all day, guys. If you want to get someone into the sport of paintball, do it. Go to Flaggers Paintball. Uh, also, that same day, we're having Soul Reaper Sundays, which is a MAGFED-only event uh, that will happen simultaneous to that. Speaking of, uh, uh, oh, another big game. Super Game Super East, guys. Game. Super game. All the commanders Super have been set. We have Bricktop and Wolf and Mr. Page there, guys. Head on over and get registered for Super Game East. East. Uh, this is new. We are now sponsoring the Fall of the Samurai at GRC Paintball. Make sure you guys check them out. That is in uh, the 18th of August. Um, so big news, guys. You all know about Super Game. Super Game. Super but you all know that uh, Josh, Matt, and myself are only minutes away from buying plane tickets. Hooray! Wait, wait. Oh, he's going? Maybe. I'm trying to disinvite him, okay, but he's... he's uh, going, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> so there'll be two of us coming down to Super Game. Just not sure which two. Um, and also, this was just released, guys. Super Game. Get the new 3D rubber patches. Limited supply, so make sure you guys go get them now. Could be a great event. And that's all I got in the news because I want to get to our two special guests. Here we go. We have... Strap in, folks. We have John and Mike. Now, John, this is the first time you've been on the show. Yes, and uh, let's give a little bit of a bio, a little bit of history of who John Amoda is. And I pronounce that right, Amoda. Amodea, isn't it? Am there we go. Amodea. Hey. <laughs> Amodeo, Amodeo. <laughs> He's never heard that before. Never. Um, so, John... You work right now for Paintball.media, yes. and uh, they are purveyors of an online and print form uh, magazine. 
Yes. Um, what else are you doing these days? So the main thing we're doing is this new uh, paintball history documentary, uh, The Complete History of Paintball. And uh, it's uh, going to be a full length, two hour uh, complete history of all the watershed moments of the game of paintball. You know, really dating back to pre-first game right through to current times. Um, so that's really where um, a lot of my focus has been and will be for the next six or seven months at least. That's awesome. Paintball has, run, has been running almost longer than Behind the Bunker. Behind the Bunker's been on the air for like seven years. <laughs> I'm only teasing. But that, that, that is, that's awesome. And you're, and you're, you're going to talk about how it got, how it came to be and how it grew from there. And Sure. Um, you know, the original. <laughs> we don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of a stat nerd and, and information nerd. So literally the first time I played paintball in 1985, I kind of knew that I was, you know, involved in something pretty cool. So I started to, um, you know, just collect data and take pictures and go to as many events as I could and play in events on terrible teams uh, for a while. And, um, and you know, the more I got into it, the more I realized this is going to be it for me. Um, this is going to be my job. I planned that from the first time I played. Um, so yeah, the quick history is um, first game in 1985, opened a paintball field in 1989. And uh, shortly after that, maybe the second Sunday, Pev and I met. He was one. He was actually our first customer at our paintball field. Um, and uh, in, within a couple of months, he was our field manager. Ran that field for a couple of years. Um, How we started desperate a, were uh, you for help? Did he run? Hey. It, did he run it into the you ground? <laughs> <laughs> no, he did a great job. Oh, okay. <laughs> and. Uh, People wait and hey, he'll tell you some more stories. We did that, and then all of a sudden, boom, PCRI and everything else had happened. So, so Gavin, Gavin, just sit back and relax a little bit. And listen. <laughs> all right, we'll I like how I was the one who put the dig in, but Gavin gets in trouble. Oh, no, that was all me. Okay. I'm, I'm quickly realizing I'm way too serious for this show. Exactly. <laughs> we don't get anything done. <laughs> so yeah, so since really 1992, I've been doing publishing magazines, um, paintball magazines, and that's. That's led me to a couple years ago, really getting serious about collecting all my data, organizing it, and uh, um, starting to get it together in terms of a book or, you know, another full history magazine. Um, in the end, thought the best idea would be to um, do a full documentary. You know, this the world has gone away from the printed word and into the the visual, so that's where we're headed, and uh, I'm really excited about this. Yeah, I'm. I, you know, your even just the documentary clips, the, the little teasers you you've put up have been pretty awesome. Um, we watched it last was was it last week, Joe? Last week yes. we watched one. It was very cool. Yeah. I yeah, last week last week's was kind of just a little bit, a little piece of you know some of the um, data I've collected over the years and the magazines and and the various assets that we're going to use for the for the documentary. So that was fun to put that together. We have another one dropping tomorrow that's gonna to be really just kind of a fun one. It's like two minutes long and it's kind of taking a look at uh, how wrong the paintball industry has gotten in the history. Oh, it's gonna be, be pretty fun. Now John, nice. is this a work in progress or is it completed and you're just waiting for the release? Oh yeah, no, it's, um, we're not even to the editing phase yet. What? Um, we are writing the script. Um, we have the storyboard created. We're writing the actual script. Um, we're starting the recording of the narration of it, which will not be me, incidentally. Um, and I've been traveling around uh, for six or eight weeks or so, 
uh, doing some interviews. I'll be doing that through June. Uh, and then from really July 1st through November, we'll be uh, putting together the edits. Now, when's it due to, when's it due to come out? November. November, nice. November. <laughs> and in what format? Online? Are we talking big screen? Netflix? Yeah, so unfortunately, I can't say too much about that other than okay. the, the goal here and the plan and what's in the works is something way bigger than just inside the paintball industry. Um, there'll be a release inside the paintball in industry a little bit after the initial release, which will be um, uh, a broader distribution. I'll just say it that cool. way. Yeah. Okay. Do you guys smell that? I think it's a. I think that that smell is a behind the bunker premiere release. Yes. <laughs> a, maybe a gala event. That's what I'm. That's what I'm sensing here. All right. Maybe a second or third release. No, that's great. And now, who who's on your team? Like, who's working with you on this documentary? Is it? I can't imagine it's just you, is it? No, it's not just me. Um, it is uh, Josh Silverman is helping. Okay. Um, and then I've got four or five people that, that do uh, sort of part-time work for me in terms of gathering data and film clips and organizing all that type of stuff. And then uh, and once we start the edit, then I've got a full-time editor. Actually, full-time editor just started. Um, we'll be uh, working with me in my office through November. Yeah. So there'll be about seven or eight of us working yeah, on this. Cool. cool. Now, Bill Foot in the comment section just said something about uh, how it's nicely timed with World Cup. Is that intentional, or is that just what you're forecasting for workload? Yeah, it's it's we we hope to have it for World Cup, and we still hope to. We, we we're not not sure about that. That would be perfect world. That wasn't why we chose November. Uh, we chose November really because. Um, we knew we wanted to get it done this year. We didn't want to go into the winter and release it in the spring. Um, so we're just really working hard to try to get it done in time for November. Yeah, so we're just, yeah. it's full, you know, full speed ahead, just trying to get it done. Um, so November just happens to be the time we think we can, we can have it released. Yeah. Have you, um, February at the new paintball extravaganza that's going to be held in Louisiana. Oh, oh what? No. You don't steal hey, Pev, you were, you're, you're stealing our thunder. Rick Rick was gonna let us know where it was so we could announce it on the show. Is this the announcement? Is that the if, announcement? If you really think it's gonna be in Louisiana, you guys aren't as smart as I thought you were. <laughs> well yeah, we got the Superdome there, New Orleans is there. But you're the one putting food. chapstick on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Hey, ask John. If anyone knows me, I uh, I never leave home without chapstick, guys. What yeah. it is? That's part of my EDC too. Bro. How would John yes. know that you have dry lips? From college, <laughs> when they were experimenting. Hey. <laughs> Might want to be careful because you know you're setting yourselves up for us to come back at you and retaliate a little bit. So. <laughs> I'm being good. I, I, you know, you've already scolded me once. I'll be good. Face <laughs> the crowd. Yeah, really, eh? So that's all. That's too bad. Do you know where it's going to be? Yeah. <laughs> well, I just wanted to, you don't have to tell us. I just wanted to know where it was. If you knew, if, we're, if it's been decided yet. Well, cowboy hats work. Okay, good. Uh, Wyoming, Montana. I hear there's no speed limits in my, um, Montana. I'm going Manassas, Virginia, Beth. No. <laughs> it could be, you know, where they film the... Uh, uh, you know, country music awards, or it could be where you know you have to wear blue suede shoes. You never know. Branson? <laughs> <laughs> is it driving distance from here? Oh no. It's, well, it's not Hawaii, so I can't drive. <laughs> oh, oh, that's too bad. bad. I, I wouldn't mind Hawaii. Very nice. Very nice. So, I have never been to the Big End before. If that's if where it is. There. If, if that's where it is. Nantucket? 
<laughs> yes, it's in Nantucket where all the cowboy wearing people are. Greg yeah. Hastings claims he knows where it is. So it's less exclusive now that everybody knows except us. <laughs> yes. Rick, Rick, Char, Rick Char just said Pev isn't a good listener. <laughs> I could mean a lot of things. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think that's what that means. <laughs> okay. Nice. That's but, cool. But I saw Elvis in Vegas, an Elvis impersonator, and he was wearing a cowboy hat, so it could be Vegas. But he was Asian. <laughs> well, yes. The Asian Elvis. All, all impersonators are, are, are Asian of Elvis uh, descent there. <laughs> well, that's exciting. Well, that's, that's yeah, that's, that's cool. cool. And release us the second, you know, the next release. I mean, at an industry show, it might be pretty exciting to have all the industry there and we do a release there. But, you know, that's, you know, John's got a plan and I'm going to stick to John. You <laughs> awesome. do have a plan. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's great. I have to admit, and I'll be honest to the listeners at home, uh, John and I have been trying to plan him getting on the show for a little while, and um, Pev messaged me today as well. And it and uh, before I knew it, I had both the guys on tonight, which was great. But I didn't realize that you guys knew each other for so long, and and how intertwined your careers uh, started out as. So it was it was it's pretty, pretty interesting cool. to hear that. So how did so so let's go back to how you two guys met. So, um, so my field was I believe in its first weekend that we opened in in Virginia, and uh, we opened the gates and this car came driving in with some dude with his foot out the window and <laughs> blasting music and it was it was, was a car load of Leopard? people and Pev was one of those people, and uh, yeah. So long story short is he wound up working uh, as our mat field manager and then we partnered in a couple other businesses. Pev, you want to take over from here a little bit? Well, yeah, so we went from there and then um, John, you know, John had uh, the paintball magazine, Paintball Consumer Reports International, and I was doing some side work for them as well because um, I was at the field. And then basically John's former partner he started with was his former father-in-law. And then he, he wanted to get out, so he got out, so I jumped in. And then basically John and I became partners with PCRI. I was the publisher, he was the editor, you know, we put, you know, we worked and tried to put together a lot of good things for paintball because we both have a big passion for the sport. And we were moving forward with, you know, everything from, you know, products to trying to connect with the tournament scene because John and I were also uh, professional paintball players playing for bad company. So we were traveling the world playing. So we were trying to connect the dots that way. So, and, and, and then on top of that, then, you know, we saw a need for other things and that's where the, uh, the the pro shop came into play you know um you know not only winning prizes and everyone's paying you in prizes so we had a room full of prizes and then and then we were getting trades on barter for advertising so we had that as well so basically we opened up you know a, a, a pro shop and i was like you know john i think we could put a pro shop here right next door to the, the offices for pcri and we can sell some of the stuff to convert it because there's no pro shops around and then um John and I started that up, and then on top of that, then that's where Pev's was created. It was first called Pev's Four Star Paintball Supply, and the Four Star Paintball Supply came from the connection of PCRI because everything in PCRI was you know, your best rating was a four star. So, um, and then we um, and then we opened up a field. Um, I just happened to get lucky that we bumped into to a lady that uh, I went to her school with her son who had some property. She said you can use the property, and we opened up the field. So then, basically, John and I basically became pretty. Inter- A lot of people, you know, we, 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 we got into the beginning of the MPPL days and before the MPPL was won when they were all individual promoters. 
John and I came to the table and said we were going to have an event in D.C. And we we did the event in D.C., which actually uh, was the first event that ESPN ever showed up to. And that was John and I, John and I, John and I brought ESPN to paintball. And what people don't realize is they think it's Jerry Braun or something else like that. And they don't understand that ESPN put its paintball got its mark in ESPN was because of John and I. And then basically we had them there. We went and um, uh, they came and filmed the event. And uh, Bill Pito uh, was one of the guys that was there. And then, uh, um, you know, and they, they covered it. And then that spun into the ESPN events that Jerry Braun ended up doing. And the reason why that happened was because John and I said, look, we're not lawyers. We're just paintball dudes. And so we brought in Jerry and said, Jerry, hey, can you put this piece together for us? Because ESPN wants to cover a paintball tournament. And that's how the first ESPN event came, event came about was John and I saying, hey, there you go. Here's the Easter basket. It's ready to go. But we need we want some representation. And that's how Jerry Braun got involved with that. And then um, from there, it just spun into the next level where John and I were promoting events. And a lot of people don't understand is that we did the event in D.C. And then we went and did the uh, event in Dallas. Well, then everyone might remember, know that, recognize this name, Dave Youngblood. You guys recognize that name? Uh, I've heard the name once or twice. Yes. Okay. I, All right. Did well, he then, start die? He, he did. But – <laughs> business side of the house he came to the league and said hey i want to be a promoter of event in california and hopes in san diego and they looked and says look they weren't very happy with you know really excited to say hey let's just let dave run an event because you know dave was the poster child running around with his black tuxedo and playing paintball and they just weren't really sure right so john and i spoke up in the at, at the at the uh proposal meeting and said hey how about john and i do the event with dave youngblood and we'll guarantee that Make that way if there's any problems and then if it goes well and you're happy with that we'll turn the event over to Dave after the next year so, and so basically John and I did the San Diego Open the first one at Borderlands it was a, a great success and then basically the following year we turned it over and then ironically that's how Dave Youngblood became you know a promoter in paintball uh, for paintball events and eventually turned it into the PSP very cool turned that over to Dave we uh, have and I ran the first actual tech conference um, that you see you know, all over the place now. We ran the first one with Bador and Tom K back in, I think it was 94 or 5. 95, so yeah. So, Bud, Bud who? A guy named Bador, you might have heard of him. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Tom K, another guy you might know for, through, um, I don't know, maybe to studying. A, to a lesser or... extent. To a lesser extent. He does lots yeah. of stuff on uh, D.B. <laughs> Cooper and uh, dinosaurs, right? <laughs> yes, there you go, D.B. Cooper and dinosaurs. He did yeah. paintball pretty well, too, oh, though. Okay. <laughs> um, was that, you know, we you know we opened the tech, we did the tech conference, and John and I are like, you know, this will be a great thing for fields to have people who are certified to work in the gun so all the equipment didn't have to go back to the manufacturers. So we went and proposed it to Tom K and Bud Orr at that time, the two, you know, two most popular paintball um, uh, guns at the time. And they, they, they're like, you know what, let's take it. Let's, let's try it out. So we went and did it in Washington, D.C. And we held the first event. Um, we couldn't get any of the other industry to sponsor us at the time or be involved. And then... Basically, next thing you know, we have a full house of like, it's like 175 um, uh, people showed up for this tech conference from all over the United States. Yeah. The field represented in stores, there were 350 people there. Oh, wow. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like rain band. How many of them had mustaches? Seven. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> Counting Tom Pay. <laughs> yeah conference ever was John and I putting this concept together and then 
ironically, the best part is, and John will tell you the story on this, and what happened when Gino, when someone called Gino and told him what was going on, Gino, tell him what happened. I mean, uh, John, tell him what happened. Hey, he packed up a bunch of stuff and drove uh, the three hours and, and uh, jumped right in. <laughs> on that day, he heard how many people were there in the fields. He drove down, set up a, set up a booth, and, and then from there on, then that's when the next year we did it again, and it became a success. And then so basically, the, you know, John and I, what a lot of people don't understand is, you know, I'm not trying to pat me on the back, but I am, okay? I mean, or pat John on the back, okay? But but we were pioneers in a lot of things. And um, so it's pretty exciting when you look back at it. And John and I, when we get back and talk stories, it's probably one of the reasons why I'm excited about the history of what John's doing in the history of paintball. Because there's a lot of things, you know, John and I didn't get out there and stand up on, you know, and say, hey, we brought ESPN, we did this, we did that. But we were pioneers because we were passionate about this sport from the day one. And the partnership that John and I had together with ideas and, and trying to make it happen, we collaborated and and and, and it was a great skill set on, on for both of us because we added we brought to the table some ideas and concepts and things to make happen. And I mean and, and that's where we, we came with this and that's why I'm so excited. Look forward to see what happened with this video John's doing. Yeah for yeah. sure. And, and first of all, guys, I wasn't going to. I wasn't thinking that. I'm, but I wanted to jump in because we had a couple. We had three good questions in the live chat, and I know we're on a roll, but I don't want to forget them. Um, one of the questions that we were asked a couple of weeks ago that we couldn't answer, we didn't want to answer, is who is the oldest playing professional? I, well, forget professional. Oldest playing team right now. We had so thought maybe it was the Master Blasters. Some people had thought maybe it was the uh, Iron Men. Iron Men. Who's uh, the no, longest standing team? It's it's neither of those. Uh, if we're going by name only and very loose connection to the original team, it's the Wild Geese. Okay, that was so an they answer they date back to 1983. Still, okay, we didn't yeah. know they were still. still I thought they disbanded or something had happened. Lost their feathers or something. Yeah, they've actually um, they've yeah. they've actually stayed together that entire time. But there's it's there's very little tied to the original okay. team. But they've kept the name. They're uh, they started out in, in New Hampshire, um, and they are now out of Long Island. Um, okay. But the first actual, if we're going first actual team, obviously there's no way to know that because, um, you know, there's no way to know back in 1983 before the first tournament happened, um, you know, who were who the first group of guys to get together in the woods. But a little interesting story is um, after that first game uh, in 1981, June 27, 1981, the first game where the 12 original players played, they planned a second game. And the second game was in Alabama. And Bob... Um, Hayes and Charles flew from New Hampshire down to Alabama and on the way down Bob tried to talk them into playing a team game um, his partners and they said no so again they played you know every man for himself 12 person game um, anyway by the end of the day Bob had convinced them to try to do a team game and they actually did a five-man tournament with six five-man teams wow. um, so the first team game was actually played in Alabama in 1983 it's interesting uh, you say. I'm sorry, 1981. Okay. It's interesting you say that that the first couple of games were every man for themselves. Mm -hmm. I don't think in the history of me playing paintball, I can't remember ever playing a game where I was against ever like everybody was by themselves. Have you ever? Maybe on a real slow night at the field, but like I've right. never really played like a battle royale style. That's right. That's yeah, it was an interesting cool. concept. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty interesting concept for sure. Moving into teams was certainly an easier an easier segue but uh, yeah and bob guernsey's thought on moving into teams was it would be an easy way to get people together would bring, bring bigger crowds to the fields and more money would be spent and the game would grow quicker which yeah. makes a lot of sense yeah so looking at the looking at how paintball started and where it is now currently with the nxl are 
are like what are your thoughts john on sort of the format and the draw do you think that do you, do you enjoy the, the the format that nxl is right now i you know what, what is your thoughts on how that's all handing right now yeah i mean i i love every aspect of the game to be honest um i do think there's a certain sort of pull to me for the for woods ball games yeah um you know having played all of my tournament paintball with bad company in the woods days um, but I still love the game the way it's constituted now. I love the um, you know the Magfred game now, and I also love the um, the, the classic game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I watch NXL games with the same enthusiasm I've always watched paintball with. Okay, um, Sebastian Meunier in the live chat wants to know who's the worst player on Bad Company. Oh, it's not Pepperai. <laughs> <laughs> I was giving you an obvious jab there, so <laughs> if we go slowest, if we said slowest, it would probably be me. <laughs> what positions did you guys play? Do you have any interesting anecdotes from when you guys used to play together? Have how many times did you run into fifty and crash into a? <laughs> every, every game, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, probably yeah. Every other game. Uh, it, it was a tough thing when, and back in 1995, and you're the fastest guy in the league. You know, Tom Cole's attitude was just run all the way to this side and go past the 50 and just start shooting people and create create a distraction. Yeah. And we're gonna blow the other side. And and there was so many times that I had to jump over bunkers, jump over trees, jump over things. Yeah. I, and, and and it was it was it it really beat me up a little bit on my body. But you know, at the same time, I look back and I said, I guess all those days running track when I was a younger guy in high school, I guess it paid off or something. I love watching the old videos where the fields are obviously much bigger than tournament fields are now, and there's less bunker coverage. But yet, off the break, you guys literally ran for what seemed to be ten minutes before yeah. you stopped, got into your bunker poised yourself and then started shooting like the thought of laning off the break it almost like doesn't look like it existed back then it was almost sort of a run and get cover as fast as you can get as far up the field as you can and then play it out from there actually yeah and there was there was actually a thought process back in you know the 90s in woods ball if you were running and shooting your gun at the same time you just were clueless because you could run much faster without shooting and there was no purpose because you're shooting through brush and you know all kinds of things so yeah. Yeah, the game's changed a lot in that respect, for sure. Who, who do you think was the originator of two things? One, uh, serving tea, shooting left-handed uh, and, and cradling your gun by the drop forward. And two, uh, the European knee slide, as I like to call it. Two moves you don't see a lot anymore. Yeah. Yeah, Danny Love, <laughs> the European knee slide. He used to do that a lot. I don't, I don't know if he was the originator of it, though. As long as he's the perfecter of it. Yeah. Great, and yeah, that's you know the the advent of the drop forward and the and the serving tee out of the left hand. That was something you see in every trauma head video out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was a mid nineties uh, mid nineties move, I would say. Yeah. So I want to go back to a few episodes ago where we had people ask or answer what the worst product in paintball they purchased was. Both of you gentlemen, uh, Pev and John, you've been in, since the inception of the sport. So for you, what was your worst paintball purchase? Have you want you want to take this one or should I take this one? <laughs> so um, when we were doing PCRI, our primary role really was to evaluate paintball equipment, and some of that paintball equipment was pretty dangerous back in the day. Um, the, the the one that comes to mind fastest is the Z Leader goggles. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, but we we strapped those on a pole 
and shot them from about 20 feet away and the thing shattered into like 60 pieces the lens <laughs> did um yeah so we actually um that was the worst piece of equipment i've ever seen so we actually asked for a recall and they threatened us with a lawsuit and it was a really ugly thing but in the end they took it off the market which was a really good thing. Wasn't Z Z Leader was made in um, Canada, and they were originally started as squash goggles and swimming goggles, which I believe I believe aren't they the predecessor to V Force? Yes, absolutely made in yeah in Canada, and and they would probably make better uh, ski goggles or any kind of other goggle than they did a paintball goggle for sure. Well, back back in the early days, and we were wearing Norton 180 safety glasses. Um, yeah. I went and got a pair of um, Leader squash goggles because they were a little a little more progressive looking than the um, just the Norton 180 safety glasses we were wearing. So that's what I used to wear in like 1983 or 1984. Yeah, it's all relative, isn't it? I was just reading a. Uh, uh, a little while ago, the official survival game uh, manual from 1983, and I was looking at the goggles they wore, and, and uh, there was a picture of a guy who literally had like cardboard wrapped around his his head with a piece of plastic in front of it, camouflage taped to his head, um, and and there was a whole instruction on how to do it in the in the book. It's pretty comical. Pretty crazy. It's wearing shop goggles. I mean, it was crazy. But that's and then all there at the was. time. Yeah, and then and even when we, even when JT goggles were being used, and we were pulling the pulling the face mask off the bottom, and we were just wearing goggles. I mean, it was it was designed with the theory that the ball would bounce off your cheeks. So we, <laughs> we learned learned how to take the hits on our cheeks. I mean, you know, I'll tell you, I can name three occasions where the ball went through the back of my mouth and hit the back of my throat um, while I was playing in the game. Wow. And basically, I just spit it out and kept playing because I was like, hey, who, who the hell's gonna see that shit? So I mean, <laughs> but um. You know, it, 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 it was a crazy time. And, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, and I got to give credit to Richmond, Italia, because, you know, when, when the leader thing progressed over to V-Sports, one of the first things Richmond did was recreate the goggle with a plan for safety. So, I mean, you know, um, you know, there was a lot of input there. You know, he's another pioneer that's in this sport that's done a lot of things, what people don't realize that, you know, he, you know, so, I mean, he did a lot of things, even with the paint to goggles, to a lot of different things. He, he was an, he was a thinker. He was an idea guy on, on industry so hell i mean that's Correct. pretty impressive yeah. yeah so um so you know a lot of crazy things that happened but i just you know i, I just don't want to a hundred percent tie in leader with v-force to no, say of that, course you know, not you know, it's yeah, a predecessor yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah exactly so and, and mike what was the worst product for you well, at, at the end of the day, I, I was thinking the same thing because I remember the goggle blowing up and I'm thinking, oh my God, I, I almost wore those goggles because I thought they were cool looking, right? But I mean, you know, I, I'm torn because there, there was this there was this gadget called the gauntlet, okay? And, and it went on the back of the CO2 tanks and it allowed us to, you know, to work with the auto mag. So it allow, it was a refrigeration device and it worked great. The problem was, is like you know it was being sold for a mega amount of money as this unique idea and all it was was a refrigeration device and i and i kept worrying about it coming back to haunt us somehow and we because we were tied into that so at the end of the day that 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 one sticks in my mind is so why would you ref so tied into that someone that worked for us came up with this invention and in the end uh he sold bulk orders to smart parts back in the day and they loved it until they found out it was a refrigeration part and then they, of course, wanted their money back. And of course, the guy who uh, created this monster didn't have the money to give back. So Pev and I gave it back. So oh. that's the extent we were, we were involved. Hmm. Fun times. <laughs> yep. Yeah. What's the best paintball marker or paintball item? Let's go on the complete opposite that you guys has seen come up 
it either made the industry better or is something that you think is the best thing that's ever happened to paintball? Well, that's a tough one. I, I'm just going to take it. I, I'll, in my opinion, anyway, I'm going to go with the um, first electronic hopper. I, I, in fact, I was so dumb back then. I saw the electronic hopper and I said, there's no paintball gun that could use this thing because they all work fine without it. And, you know, months later, a year later, whatever, um, the autococker and automag kind of proved me wrong. Um, so that, that sort of opened the door for the guns to really be creative and, and faster and, and higher technology. Okay. Something as simple as a squeegee, because you're like the Reds, the Reds barrel swap, for example. I mean, the, back in the day when you're playing an event and you broke a, you broke a ball in your barrel for some, some unknown reason, because you know it happens. You know, a lot of times you just had the stick with a little cloth on it. You stuck it down there and you pulled it out and you did it a million times. And it's like, you know, and you're in the middle of a game, you want to clear it out. So, I mean, to me, I was always a big fan of knowing that I, I, I always wanted to have a good squeegee or, or good barrel swab. And, you know, and, and, and that's one of the things I hated when, when Greg got out of um, uh, the Reds gear and not stopped selling, you know, and he was involved, he sold that off and, and we no longer had access to the Reds barrel swabs. That was probably one of the biggest headaches for me because I missed those because yeah. I knew that I could clean yeah. out my barrel quickly with one one swipe and get back to playing the game again. So when Red stopped selling those, when, when, when he stopped selling those until the time where Ed from Exalt came out with his bayonet, is that what they're called? Sorry, the barrel made. The barrel made. Sorry, there was nothing out there, uh, and I mean, B there were several BT companies that tried. BT had a knockoff of yeah, it. BT but. had some. It wasn't as good no. It wasn't as thick. It was like they took a smaller barrel and bored it to that, and it didn't work as well. But th those were the two of the best of the best. But so here's an odd question, and this might not hit home to too many of the viewers at home if they're fairly new to the sport. But talk to me about talk to me about two of our favorite gun manufacturers. So AGD and uh, war game products with the autococker. Talk to me about when they first kind of came on the market and and who kind of was the was deemed as the better. Um, why does it appear that, that war games had a better succession? Um, what are your thoughts on, on, on that, that whole, not rivalry, but between Tom and Bud? Go ahead, Pat. <laughs> no worries. I would like sales statistics to back up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean both of those guys for you know to start with both bud and tom were just great ambassadors for the game and and the great friends yeah and, and that's really rare because they really were you know uh straight on competition to each other um, but they were great friends and they were great for the industry they would sit down for hours and talk to players and 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 just you know be part of the be part of the game which you rarely see anymore um so i'd start with that you know that's the thing that i remember most about about both of those companies but yeah the you know the automag was um more of an east coast um hit at the time of, of you know people shot it across the country for sure but on the east coast you'd see uh, many more automags and on the west coast you'd see the autococker um I, I don't know the longevity part of it i think the autococker is just a lot easier to do stuff to uh, to mill the body, to anodize it, to um, upgrade the internals, and you know all the um, all the stuff that makes the autococker tick. Sorry, you've got um, Matt on the who's our producer, and he's an auto or uh, automag fan. And as you're sort of downplaying it, he's shaking his head. No, oh, no I, with what I love the automag. It was my gun. I mean, I I, I was not a big fan of the autococker. Um, I shot the you know to to the last day I played you know on the pro circuit. I shot the automag, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but on the West Coast, it was pretty undeniable that the autococker was the gun. You know, Bushwhackers, Iron Man, all the big teams out there were shooting the autococker for a decade. Um, 
and even today, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's the kind of gun that um, if you're a, a tinker or a kind of guy that likes to take apart guns and and uh, upgrade your gun and just play with it, the autococker's the gun. But the auto mag, you just take it out of the box. You know, you put a good high pressure system on it, and you could shoot it forever back then. Yeah. The stores, the stores did well selling autococker because you could sell all the different parts and accessories go with yeah. it. We made yeah. money doing it, so yeah. it was a big benefit there. But also, if you think back, what John said between West Coast and East Coast. I mean, on the East Coast, you had the pro team, the All American shooting, shooting the auto mag, and on the West Coast, you had the Ironman and a couple other pro teams. You know, Avalanche, everyone else shooting autocockers. And, but historically, they they started, you know, yes, the All-American won their share of events, but then the West Coast teams, because they played and practiced year round and had the big fields out there, SC Village and so forth, and had a lot of teams practicing out there, you, the autococker gr gained great notoriety because, you know, it was a West Coast, West Coast teams shooting West Coast company. And so it was very interesting. You, you almost could look at people and say, East Coast guy, because he's shooting automag, West Coast guy, because he's shooting autococker. They're both yeah. great guns. They both had their points. But I mean, at the end of the day, the autococker really sold more parts. Yeah. But you know what? Two different technologies. You know? Completely different. And, um, you know, the East versus West is, an, is, is a good point, because when you look at smart parts, when they had, you know, when they came out with the Ion and the Nerve and uh, the Shocker, for us, that was a very East Coast gun. I mean, anyone uh -huh. on the, uh, w w was shooting that. It really, you don't see, you didn't see a lot of them on the West Coast. Not that they didn't sell, but I think it was a very regional thing for them. Um, for sure, yeah, yeah. And I uh, think that's that's sort of how it worked back then too. You know, you would have an area that um, had a big team, like the All Americans were bad company, and whatever they shot, the you know the local guys, the smaller teams, the teams that were trying to be bad company, All, all Americans would shoot the same equipment. Same thing on the West Coast. You had the Ironmen and and uh, teams like that and Bushwhackers and and you know whatever guns they shot, whatever equipment they used. Everybody out there really wanted to model their game after them. So, um, you know, that, that's just the way it was. And, and and there was a natural rivalry rivalry East Coast West Coast back then. That's really not present anymore. And that was really fun too. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm going to take this moment to uh, to help out the show here. If either of you guys know Bud or directly and have an opportunity to talk to him. I've messaged him twice, um, and he's never responded. If you if you get an opportunity to talk to him, let him know. We would love love to have him on the show, even if it was just to sit there and listen to his voice. We're all we're all big fans of him, and would love to have him on the show. Sounds good. Not that he's I'm watching planning, right now, but I'm planning to uh, head out to California in about six weeks to do some um, interviews out there. So. He's on my on my radar. I haven't spoken to him yet, but Very I'm nice. gonna nail him down. So Joe and I had an opportunity to go see War Games product about two years before they were done, and uh, what a great experience that was. Oh, the, yeah, the the mini the mini um, were coming off the line. It was, it was oh just, yeah, it was we just thought fantastic. we thought we drove in. We we took our rental car and we thought we drove into the wrong place. We thought it was like an Orange County Choppers place. Because all these like done up bikes both outside and in, in there. I guess he was heavily into bikes at the time, as yes. as he is, and um, it seemed like that almost took priority. But there was, uh, you know, there was an office with salespeople in there and a floor putting together autocockers. It was for us. It was like the mecca of paintball. That's cool. Then we went to Die as well, which was neat. And they had that's when they were making the DM fours in house. Everything was made domestically. And Aaron Carter, 
was still yeah. making is still making his guns on the, the floor. Um, They're making the DM4s on CNC machines all heavily automated, and and Aaron Carter's using this this old technology, old lathes and stuff, doing it all. Yeah, by I was hand. out there for Re- that too. Really cool. Really, yeah. really. Yeah, cool. that was two thousand four. I had an experience similar to that back when we did the uh, we promoted the uh, MPPL San Diego event. It was when Dave uh, Youngblood was still working at uh, JT. And uh, so the event was, you know, 20 miles from the JT building. So he took us and gave us a tour. And then he gave us two humongous shopping carts and said, fill it up with whatever you want and take it home. That was pretty fun. That's nice. Cool. Wow. <laughs> that, okay. Back then, there was no replacement straps for goggles. You just, you used the strap that was on the goggle. Yes. John and I are in the JT factory for that event. And I, I go over to the motocross section and I see where they're making the straps. And I'm like, John, you know how I am about purple, man. I got to have this one of these purple straps. So basically, while I was in JT, I configured, I took a strap and took the clips. And while the guy was there, had him cut it so they could get the clips so I could pop them in. And he put the he put the motocross strap. I was able to take the strap and put it on my JT goggle. So then I showed up at the event in San Diego with a purple strap, JT strap on it, and with a splash on it. And they're like, where did you get that strap? They said, oh, it's, it's it's very unique. I was very excited about it. I was like, hey, hey, look at me, right? I was pumped up, right? And then next thing you know, you know, Dave's like, hey, everyone's asking for those damn straps. You know, now I got to start making all these. So sure enough, next thing you know, then within like months later, John and I are laughing because there's this whole line of all these different color straps. But really, they were the <laughs> Right. Yeah. And they sent us an, a- an ad for a PCI back then that had the, the different color straps in it pretty, pretty soon, soon after that. I, that I, cool. have, I have a really nice... um. Life's a beach bad boy strap on my uh, pair of JT um, uh, neon yellow elites. It's very cool. Nice. But that's one thing about paintball is the customization. You know, people put their own flair on everything from how they wear their pants to their gloves to their goggles, interchanging colors. Um, you know, even their guns back in the day when you could still take your gun off the wall and buy accessories to accessorize it i mean it's always been a customization but sport. don't you find that's lacking now uh, huge today, that yeah. it seems to be sort of cookie cutter the best thing that ever happened in the industry was the worst thing that happened in the industry and that was that manufacturers were giving such good value that they were giving their entire gun finished product right yeah yeah and, I, and for I, a I retailer was, yes. no that's what killed us um i, I was a great gun but it came too ready <laughs> yeah well the dm you know, the DM4, mm-hmm. when it first came out, you still had to buy an ASA. Uh, an ASA and a drop forward if you if you, if you you still were doing that sort of stuff. Um, and it had a ready-made barrel, so it was kind of the halfway point. But two years after that, every gun was completely yeah. finished. And as a retailer, there was nothing we could do. I mean, the autococker for us was the gun that we wanted to sell because we could not only sell you a timing fee, a shortening your trigger, we can right. sell you triggers, three ways, whatever, and then piranhas and spiders came out which had interchangeable parts, or not interchangeable, but parts that you could add on. Right. I mean, that's when guys really got interested in the sport because they could customize it. I, th- I think that's one of the reasons why MagFed is big now because that's the only genre where you can go and buy a scope and a rail and a grip and a sight and a you know, all, all kinds of different accessories where you haven't been able to do that in almost 10 years. Yeah, I ran into a Rennick Miller at an event probably 10 years ago and he came over to me and he put his arm around me and he said, John, don't you don't you miss the days when you could buy a $300 autococker and, and uh, mill the body and anodize it and sell it for 1500 bucks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> those, but I, those I, days are gone. But I mean, no gun, like 
if okay so the autococker you could have a guy come into the shop with his gun that he bought last week and he would come back and he's so proud of it and he goes well what can i do to this and you take a toilet tissue uh square and you put it on top of the the feed stack and you cycle the gun and it sucks it through and shoots it out the barrel and go i can do that you know what i mean or i could you know hear the click of your gun now hear the click of the valve on this gun or mm-hmm. feel the trigger stroke on this those were things where I was even happy to pay money to have done to my gear. I wish, like, let's say you could get a Lux or a Planet Eclipse top of the gun, right, top of the line gun right now, and have the ability to better it. Which you can't because they're already spectacular. But could you imagine if someone said to you, "Hey, listen, guys, for fifty more bucks, we can give you a trigger that does this for you. That's going to make it better, or a barrel that even makes it more accurate than it already is." You'd put that money down, wouldn't you? Sure. Sounds like you need to start a business, Todd. But there's but <laughs> but how do you improve on things that are also that that are awesome? And you know, you can't fault for the manufacturer for putting out such great products, but on the same token, you know what I mean? Like it's 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 hard. It's hard for the retailer, right? One of the issues I think these days too is, you know, back uh, you know, 20 years ago, the amount of guns that were being sold are just, you know, astronomical compared to today. Yes. So I think there's a pressure on the manufacturers to give you a really good deal, a really good value and and have everything built into it because if you don't do it, someone else is going to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of miss the days when a lot more guns are being sold and and uh, they didn't need to come, you know, fully ready to go. Well, remember when the custom trailer truck would pull up at the NXL or the PSP event or or any sort of event, and he'd unfurl his awning, and all he would have is aftermarket accessories for all the guns that existed. Yeah. You know, that was an exciting tent because you knew you could go in there, drop a couple hundred bucks and buy stuff that are going to make whatever gun you were shooting that much better. You know? Yeah. But uh, as I say, the guns that are coming out right now are so much better anyways that you really can't do anything more to them. So in addition to... Tabs, you should should talk about when we went to Australia and what we did with our guns there. time you know uh, you know well for starters when we went to australia back in the day you couldn't you could not bring a semi-auto paintball gun into australia because they were illegal the only way you could have a semi-auto paintball gun in australia was to have it manufactured there so you know we're going there to compete in a tournament with that as bad company and so basically air gun designs gave these pump arms to us that we could put on the gun to make it look like you know it was a pump action instead of a a semi-auto and so the whole team rolls in there we show up and we get to the airport and basically the, the, the response needs to be if they check your gear, make sure you say that your gun is a, a single action pump, right? Well, and, and Tom Cole at the time, who's our captain of the team says, hey, if anyone gets nabbed, you're on your own. We're bu- the rest of the team's busting out of here and we're not sticking around the airport. <laughs> well, well, boom, oh, dude. okay? So I get, I get snagged and I get pulled back into customs and I'm like, ah. God damn it, he says. So he takes me in, the guy takes me, takes all my gear out, sets it on the table, says, okay, put this together. So I assemble it, put together, and he says, okay, so explain to me what's going on, right? Well, be, right when I'm getting explained, the door opens and a guy comes in. He's 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 the super like he's the supervisor in charge of the customs guys. And he comes in and he says, uh, excuse me, sir, um, does that gun operate when you only pull it back and, and pump it back and fire one time? And I'm like, Yes, it does. Actually, that's what it happens, right? And he says, so all you have to do is pump it one time and it fires, right? And I said, uh, yes, it does. That, that's how it works. So then he says, okay, I think we're done here. He tells this guy, no problem. He, 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 we're going to walk him out. It's all good. So 
So we walk out. We're heading out, and the supervisors head me. He he basically escorts me out to the to the to release me into the regular area of the airport, and tells me he says, "Hey, Pev." I look forward to seeing you this weekend at the paintball tournament. Oh, great. <laughs> so, uh, this is well, because we each had two or three automags that were, you know, we had all the anodizing done to them and some, you know, the, what you could do to customize an automag back then. And I think we each sold our guns for in the neighborhood of $3,000 a piece. Jeez. Um, <laughs> for three grand, okay, US dollars. And then not only that is, if you remember, we got on the bus to leave. I literally was wearing boxer shorts and a t-shirt because I had to give away my pants, my jersey, my shoes. I mean, it was nuts. I mean, when we showed up there, professional paintball back in the day was like professional, like like NFL football here in the States. We showed up, people were cheering for us. It was insane. I mean, they were inviting guys like, hey, would you please come to my house tonight? And um, my wife's going to prepare a great meal for you. And I'm like, this is nuts. I mean, I, I wow. never experienced anything like that. I mean, you know, but it was earlier and they wanted us to sign them. They came prepared. I mean, they they were big fans of paintball. Jeez. That's awesome. Fascinating. It was it was a great experience of life. And if I, you know, there's one thing I can look back at paintball and say that, you know, I did get to experience a lot of fun, exciting things to do and, and, and also be part of something that's, you know, I mean, remember paintball's been around since what, 81, right, John? 81? And 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 I got an 85, John got an 85. I mean, the fact that we've been involved that long is is has been a very and and we're still involved. Um, makes it makes Sad. it a, something that's yeah. yeah. Well, it's you know, like but what, my, yeah. so you guys you guys uh, are talking about some uh, incredible experiences you had in the early days of paintball. Um, let's flash forward to, to to today. Are you guys as optimistic and fired up about what's going on in the the industry right now as you were back in the day? Yeah, I re I really am. I, I I love paintball right now. The way uh, what's happening in the game, I'm really excited about. You know what we're doing with the documentary, um, and I, I, I see a resurgence happening right now. You know, with the classic paintball coming back, and with Magfed, and, and the game is really diverse now, and it's really just a lot of fun. And I really think um, you know the way we're treating you know the balls per second rate and things like that are really helping the game sort of um, solidify again. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really excited about it. I love X ball. I love playing it. I loved everything about it, but I think it's what kind of killed tournament paintball at the same time. Um, John and I, back in 2004, 2005, told the industry that the mistake that's happening right now is you're focusing on all the guns that are firing too fast. And yes, it's a great concept and everybody wants a faster gun, but as paintball field operators, we're chasing people away. And, and it's not the experience of capture the flag that we're used to. And, and basically they looked at us and told us we were ridiculous, that, that we didn't know what we were talking about. And, and it, was, it, was, it was tough. To, to digest, but then as a field owner, I'm like, you know what? I'm running a lot of people in my through my field. And I'm telling you, there's people who now in 2006, 2007, 2008, they're saying, you know, the younger generation didn't want to play anymore because they were getting tired of being overshot. And so then I said, you need to go back to the concept of what made paintball great. We all joined it because it was capture the flag. We went out with a mission and plan and we want to be sneaky. We want to shoot people. It was about this. It was about the kill and we had a great time doing it. And then now it's just like you're you're blittering people. Don't don't get me wrong. I played in the first hyperball tournament that was held out in England. I had a great time and we blasted people. I played in the first airball tournament and it had a great time. <laughs> Call on that one, John. But I mean, but a lot of crazy stuff happened. 
But at the end of the day, when you look at the industry and say, hey, this is what we need to do, there was it, it became no longer an interest in what was going to happen for the future. It was it was paintball industry guys saying, how can I make money today? And they were selling super fast guns and they thought if I sell, that means I sell more paint. Well, it came back and bite us in the ass because we started chasing away future generation of paintball players. And I'm like, what are you all doing? Yeah. I'm a paintball field operator with all these other paintball field operators and watching people walk away because we're they're not getting the experience that we fell in love with. There was a day that I used to brag that paintball was like crack. You get addicted to it. Yes. But now, the, now instead, it became the opposite. We're chasing people away because of, we're scaring people. And and so now I'm glad to see the, the, the resurgence of um, like the Iron City Classic, the yeah. Mounds Field, the Hyperball Fields, the Woodsball Fields. This is, this is the regeneration of the future for paintball. I, I agree with you, but we're still putting all this focus and energy on competition. Okay. And I, and I get that the fields and the classic and all that sort of stuff is good, but let's stop talking about tournament paintball and a small piece of the pie of paintball. No question. Yeah. I would like to see going back to your comment, Pab, about rentals. I would like to see a marker system or something designed for, for those people. Like remember when the tip and model 98 came out, you could buy a flat line and you could buy a, you know, you could buy all kinds of yeah. Thank you, nineteen ninety eight. Thank you, Gavin. Um, See, John, I have you know, stats too. You know, though, <laughs> there was a lot of marketing and effort put into the retail stores for all of that stuff, and it was really bringing in. When a guy came into the store, like here's an example: a guy came into my store the other day, and he said, "I'm new to the sport. I would like to get in. What can I buy?" And I looked at my wall, and we had like some great. Thank God, we had like the Cronus and the and um, TMC, uh, but 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 not the TMC. Uh, the Cronus and um, well, the T I mean TMC as well, but then on the other end we had all these like Planet Eclipse guns and super high end guns, and it was like I had a small little narrow window to convince them to buy. But 10, 15 years ago, we had an entire wall that had Titmans and Piranhas and Spiders and low end to mid end guns that could get people in at a good cost effective range, and then you could update them and upgrade them. There's nothing. F I mean, there's I don't know. There's there's a there's good guns on the market for the rental or for the for the new uh, new player, but it's not as vast as what it once was. But I guess you could argue too that some of those guns are pretty awesome. Like the TMC is a fantastic marker. Well, the, in. the TMC is like a Jeep, right? It find a four wheel drive off the lot, or you can deck it out however you want it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think to me, you know, there's in any sport, there's like you know the highest level, right? We play, you know, we watch NFL football on Sundays and we, we can play touch football on, you know, on the side street with four people, right? Yeah. Um, we can play flag football, high school football. There's all levels. And I think uh, that's true in paintball. And I think there was a time, though, that only the high level was the one that was respected, right? Yeah. So I think that hurt the game a lot. Yeah. And I think maybe what you're saying, Todd, is we need to sort of look back at that um, and just sort of, you know, not forget that there's just not one level of paintball. Yes, and that's the thing too. Like Mark Pagan, uh, Help Keep Paintball Alive uh, founder, he says we need to just keep paintball fun. And that's it. Like we mentioned MAGFED, we mentioned tournament paintball, we mentioned all kinds of things. At the field owner level, Airsoft, MAGFED, regular rentals, and speedball are not four different genres. That's paintball to us. Uh, no matter how you come to the field, as long as you come to the field, and and that's what's going to keep the keep the sport going. And you know this this sort of uh, isolation of, of 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 genres is ridiculous. You know you get uh, and I'm not picking on Magfed. I was just thinking them first, but Magfed players are like Magfed is the best, and you should all be playing Magfed or speedballers. The same thing. 
you shouldn't be doing that. You know, you should be marketing to, to all genres. But when you look at look at the numbers, Joe and I were talking about this the other day. I mean, 85% of our business is still the general guys that come and have a birthday party or a stag party or an office get together. And that's really yeah. debilitating to my ego when I think that, you know, like I'm a speedballer and Joe's more of a mag fed player. You know what I mean? But yeah, you know, kind of shuts us down when we think that we're just the small percentage. Example, I mean, John and I, we, we, we came up woods ball. We went in the, we got in the, went in the speed ball because that's where it was speed ball. And what well, was woods ball slash speed ball. And then it came out of the small fields in the woods and then it came out the speed ball as hyper ball and then air ball. But at the end of the day, I mean, John and I still would meet up again and cross paths because we're out playing scenario games. Cause that's what brought us into the sport. And I mean, look, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's the 8% to play speedball as NXL style, right? And then the other 92% who are playing woods ball or, or recreational or scenario ball. But that's that's what attracts even the birthday parties. Uh, the, the gun that I rent the most at the field is, I, you know, I could, people can upgrade. They can upgrade to a high-end electronic gun or they can upgrade to a gun that looks like an M16 or an AK-47, you know, something built out from an A5 platform. And, or you can just have a typical model 98, which is a normal rental. But I, I, I upgrade more to the guns that look like, you know, the call of duty guns, you know, yeah. and, and that's what these kids want. Yeah. And that's the excitement they have. And we, as an industry, sometimes forget everything we promote and spend money on in the industry is the, the NXL gets so much money dumped into it. And I don't have a problem with that, you know, because it, it gets showcased, but at the same time is we need to think about the scenario side more or the rec ball side or the birthday party side. I mean, I've been preaching birthday parties for, for 15 years. And I remember people used to laugh at me and it says, you're focusing on birthday parties. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm teaching classes at a paintball extravaganza because yeah. birthday parties are a way to make money right now. And we're a field, that's how we're going to survive. And, and so it's an interesting dynamic on how the circle reconnects. Yeah. I'm not going to point any names out, but there's a fellow that runs three indoor paintball fields in a metropolitan area in the U S and he has, um, no gun owners or no one's allowed to bring their own guns, has no pro shop and he just runs low impact, low impact and rental uh, like birthday parties. And he's packed both Saturdays and Sundays every weekend. And he's got enough to do three fields in a metropolitan area and does quite it's well for metroplex. himself. It's a Metroplex. So yeah. Um, yeah, possibly close to where somewhere the paintball extravaganza might be. Somewhere where you might wear a cowboy hat <laughs> or blue suede shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hey, guys, I'm going to interrupt for just a second. If you guys are enjoying this conversation and you're watching us on Facebook, do you know that this conversation for you guys are going to end in a couple of minutes? But for those of you that are listening to our podcast or watching us on, on uh, YouTube, this is going to continue for a little while. We're actually going to end the show on Facebook. Um, and we're going to continue to broadcast and uh, record for our podcast. So if you like what we're talking about um, after you're done watching us on Facebook, download our podcast tomorrow and you'll be able to hear all the great stuff that uh, John and Pev and the rest of us will be talking about uh, for the next couple of minutes. John and Pev, I hope you've so far enjoyed your stay here. Are you guys okay for another 10 or 15 minutes or at least 10 minutes? Yep. Awesome. I just want to tell everybody out there before they check out that, look, I mean, you know, like share do everything you got to do behind the bunker they're put you know they put on the show every monday you know I, I enjoy being here but most importantly it's like if you know here's an opportunity to get out there and, and here's here's some good information and if you if you ever just want to just get real about paintball i mean this is the opportunity to do it and that's why i like being on the shows because sometimes i can just kick back 
not worry about anything, no restrictions, just kind of speak my mind on the industry. And, I, and I'm yeah. so excited to be here with John tonight. Yeah, no, and I, I'm excited. I, I think it's uh, it's working out really well. I, as I said, I didn't know that you guys knew each other so well. I should have put two and two together. I just, I didn't. Um, do research. But uh, before I let everybody go, I just want to let you guys know we didn't get an opportunity to do our reads tonight. So I do want to thank our sponsors, Planet Eclipse, um, GI, AirUps, Ruthless, Altai, um, Eclipse, DLX, the manufacturer of the Lux. Basically, guys, all the guys at the bottom of your screen, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be on the show. And here's the thing. We don't do this to get rich. I mean, look at us. I'd have a real haircut if I was. <laughs> this is something that we do for the love of the sport, much like John and Pepper talking about. We're, yes, <laughs> we're here every week uh, trying to um, entertain the masses and, and, and convert people to paintball. Um, so if you guys get an opportunity to like and share, that would be great. And if you do like any of the products that our sponsors have, please head on over and purchase their, their products or at least support them. They're all good enough. I mean, they could put their money into better shows, but they put it into us. So I, I, I do appreciate that. Um, do you, you want to show that, Joe, before we go? Yeah, people have been asking about the vault, and um, I thought I would bring this out tonight. This is the it's John's here and Pev's here. This is the first ever uh, paintball marker that Flag Raiders used back in 1983. It's called the Mark One Uzi. Yes, it's it is. It's a Nelson-based gun. It's yes. actually, if you think about it, it's early, early mag-fed because you'd pull this little latch here, which was your front sight. You'd put 30, 38 paintballs in here was pump action um it was a ramped feed worked on the original ones were 12 grand but this is a second generation you can run a a, a co2 tank on the back first mag fed and ramping gun first yeah first mag <laughs> fed. So it's pump action the original ones had a metal barrel this has a polymer barrel but it's got an integrated safety really an awesome gun that uh, was made by uh, capture the flag or commando games out of Ottawa. So this yeah. is the Mark One Uzi. Maybe Joe and I'll do a video this week. I'll help them out with it, and we'll do something a little more Vaulting. visual so that yeah. you guys can see it up up, up close and personal. Um, so we're gonna end this uh, on Facebook, but we're gonna continue to broadcast uh, for our podcast, guys. So if you're on watching us on Facebook, um, thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you to Gavin and Joe for being on the show. Yeah. 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 Sorry, Gavin. I didn't get to hear you say "cinch your sack" at once tonight. I know there was no there was no satch sink satch. Well, you got me. Whatever. You know what it is. Sorry, go do. But we did we did hear Gavin say that he knew the '98 came out in '98, so that was really good. That's awesome. That's right. That is the extent of Gavin's knowledge. Gavin's statistician. I'm Rain Man number two. Yes. Oh, in the in the beginning, you fall out of the tree, you stumble down a rocky cliff, you wade chest deep through a mosquito infested bog, then you realize you're surrounded. It's party time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. If you're watching us on Facebook, we're gonna say good night. But for everyone that's listening on the on the uh, the podcast, we're gonna continue for a little while. So don't go anywhere, guys. On Facebook, thanks for watching. We'll see you shortly. Don't be a freeloader. If you liked what you hear, make sure to hit the share button below. Also follow us on our social media outlets like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, ICQ, and now MySpace. If you want to join the conversation, post your comments and we might read them on the show. All right, and we're back with our podcast. So what did you guys think of your first show? Uh, sorry, John, this is your first show. What did you think? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I love talking paintball. Um, I wish the show was like three hours, but you know, it'll do. <laughs> I, you know what? I I have a podcast I listen to that's four hours long, and I know that's really ridiculous, and I have to do it over several 
trips in my vehicle. But uh, I, I do get upset when it's over. And same thing every Monday. I don't know about Gavin and Joe, but it's kind of like when it's over, you're kind of disappointed. But I get upset coming to the studio. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes you, we think you could do our original shows were 90 minutes long and went a little longer. Like, yeah, I guess you could if you had it on a roll, you could do a super long one. Well, I feel that we're on a roll. And I feel that we're having we're having some really good conversation. My fear is that uh, well, not fear, but the thing is I also want to leave some co- great content to pro- to promote people coming to our podcast. Sure. I think our podcast right now is growing increasingly every week and I and I'd like to continue to do that. Um I don't know we're not signing off right now, but I do want to say a million thank yous to both John and Pev for being on the show. Uh, just the vast knowledge uh, of paintball, but what you've done to help grow the sport and get I us like to what here. you said off the air about thank wow, they're old. Yeah, yes, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> uh, but no, in all sincerity, I, I sincerely appreciate all of the efforts uh, because I don't think any of us would be here today uh, without your yeah. contributions as well. You know what? So I'd like to have a conversation with not only you two guys, John and 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 Mike. But I think if we added in people like, you know, friends of the show, Simon Stevens, um, who else would be a good person to have a conversation about sort of the history of the sport well, look at and you, industry okay. sort of insider? Gino, Gino from, if you think Gino from Empire, but he and Aldo were Brass Eagle and and, sure. and, and everything else. Richmond Italia. Richmond, Richmond Italia. Yeah. But even like John Drescher. Yeah, from, John would be great. You know, he would be an awesome guest. Um, I have to reach out to him one day. I, he and I have always said hello to each other in passing. We all know, we both know each, who each other are, but we've never had more than like a two-second conversation. I'd really like to sit down and have a conversation with him, and whether it's on the air or not, I just every time we see each other, it's an event we're both kind of doing things. But uh, if you want to talk paintball gear with someone, historic paintball gear, Daniel Bocci is the guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know him. He's he knows everything there is to know about the old gear. But if we were to have a conversation about everything from teams to products to field history, who would be our guests that we would have? So I've mentioned Simon and you, and, and you two guys. Who else would you like to have in that conversation? It's a tricky one. Uh, Rennick Miller, maybe? Tom Cole? Yeah. Still in the industry, and he's been back back in the day with John and I. I mean, really, what what you need to look at is really who was, how far back can you go, and how current are they still in it? Yeah. And when you, yeah, yeah another skirmish. great one. Yeah. yeah, he's been around since day one. What about yeah. Chris Lasoya? Because Chris Lasoya um, is a player that's been around. Plus, he's in the industry again. Maybe not the most relevant right now, but. Chris, if you're listening, sorry, buddy, but you got no memory, so I would. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, we were talking about bad products on the air with you guys uh, not too long ago as well. We Some of our bad products that we were talking about, and, and maybe we're a little bit younger in the industry, but we were talking, um, some, some of the comments were, the evil omen is always a, a bad one for us. Um, the DXS loader back in the day the one that came apart into two sections that you could take apart the plastic was really fragile on those the machine vapor was another one that was uh, a very common uh viewer submission as well what pulse loader yeah yes the okay. original pulse loader not yeah 
Yeah, but the, also the Brass Eagle Barracuda or the first generation Nightmare uh, Star. That's yeah. way we predate yeah. you. Those, yeah. those, the Brass Eagle. I remember picking up paint from um, Aldo on his. He used to leave paint going to Britain on his, on his skids of paint on his his, his suburban driveway for the for international freight companies to come up. And I remember oozing stuff oozing out of the boxes, but picking up, <laughs> picking up Brass Eagle Nightmares from. And Gino was assembling them at the bar, and I was picking up my paint for the weekend from Aldo. It's great. That's like in that's 80 that's 88 yeah. um pre- do you guys remember a gun called the satco 700 no no it was a really high-tech gun by a small company in texas it came out on um, mid 90s yeah 93 94 and Pat, i don't know if you remember this we used to joke i think they got the name satco 700 because there was 700 parts yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. And about 45 things had to happen to get a ball out the barrel. Jesus. <laughs> but see, that's the comparison we were making about the AGD to the auto to the auto cocker. I always found the auto mag a little more complicated than it needed to be. What? The hmm. auto mag that's is interesting. Simple. I found that gun simple. Really? I, auto mag. Uh, the really? auto cocker to me is mechanical, so I can visually see everything. I don't know. They're both mechanical, and the auto mag is super simple. Super I'm kind of yeah. egging Matt on, if, okay, I, if, if truth be known. I think it's what you're comfortable with. I mean... Yeah, the oh. automatic to me was a simple gun. The autococker was yeah. like rocket science. Do you me. still yeah. you, change a reg seat and you're back in business? Yeah, or flip it over. But between yeah. games and between points, it should be sitting in a vat of oil. Did. Got PCRI story back in the day when we were uh, doing product reviews. We would get manufacturers would send us their guns and. Uh, Budor, who, you know, to this day, I love him. He sent us uh, an autococker and um, I put a tank on it. I pulled the trigger and the bolt flew out the back and hit me in the goggles. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, even the best guns have their issues, you know. I was uh, relentless. I would never put the beaver tail on. And I've got lenses to this day that still have knocks of the, the bolt hitting my goggle. Yeah. Yeah, nobody that was cool had a beaver tail. Even if you put a custom beaver tail on, <laughs> you still and th- yeah, it was there, right, Todd? It was to stop uh, not only from the slap into the yeah. goggle, but uh, you could also jack your shots, could you not? Yeah, well, that was the number one reason they were yeah. trying to prevent guys. Yeah. Uh oh, <laughs> goggles. Yeah, it, yeah. Yes, <laughs> Yeah, I, I want to switch gears a little bit, if that's okay, Todd. Yeah. Uh, and John, question to you: With the movie coming out, um, you've got the whole studio here excited, and there's a buzz around the industry. Do you think this is going to appeal to both the old school players and the young kids coming up in the sport? Yeah, I do, and that's one of our real goals in the uh, storyboard and the writing of it. It's to not just appeal to you know the older players from back in the '80s and '90s, but um, to sort of you show the history in a way that's meaningful and interesting even to the younger generation of players um and and to that end you know that's part of why we're bringing the the, the, the movie's going to cover the game really right through the um historic run that edmonton impact was on a couple of years ago okay. so there'll be plenty of of uh newer stuff um as well as the old stuff and really one of the things i think is going to appeal to everybody all generations is there's going to be a lot of things that you're going to hear for the first time that you've never, stories you've never heard, things you never knew happened behind the scenes, and that kind of stuff. So I think I think everybody will find that stuff interesting. Wonderful. And the follow-up question is, how much content will Behind the Bunker be in the movie? So the Are movie's two hours, so I was digits? thinking an hour and 59 minutes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> if not us, certainly the logo would, would be nice. Um, so here's a question for you, John. Much like Forrest Gump, 
got involved in a fruit company. What <laughs> What is something that you wish you would have not necessarily got involved in on a stock level, but what do you wish that, that back in the day you would have jumped on board with, whether a tournament series or a product? <clears throat> what do you think uh, was something you wish you would have got in on? That's a, it's a good question. I tried to get in on something and it kind of failed, but uh, before the electronic guns, um, my father-in-law, who is a brilliant uh, engineer, he and I worked for about a year to try to develop an electronic gun. And we had one that worked before anybody that I know of, um, but it, it was it was huge. It was going to be really expensive. We just couldn't get it to be, um, you know, to be to be the size it needed to be and the and the quality it needed to be for the price. So yeah. we eventually, after spending a lot of money and a lot of time, just kind of dumped the idea. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that answers the question, but that's that, yeah. you know, that's something I saw coming that I I kind of wish I could have done something about. Okay, so you look at back in the day, you had AGD and Wargame products. Then all of a sudden, WDP comes into the mix, <clears throat> and then you have the Matrix and the Die DM coming into going to play. If you could get in at that time, that would have been that. And those gun also at that time, guns were selling like crazy. You would have done yeah. quite well for yourself. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, I, I can I can judge the amount of guns sold by the amount of advertising we have in the magazine at times. And there was a time um, in. In the early Paintball 2 Extremes days, so I'm going to say around 2000, 1999, 2000, 2001, um, uh, Kingman Spider, they ran 30 full-page ads in our magazine every month. Wow. You know, yes, at they 1800 did. bucks a page. They sure did. They were the first page when you opened it up. They were the last page when you closed it, and yeah. uh, they were everywhere between. And as a, as a retailer, it was hard not to have to stock those guns, even have one or two. <clears throat> just because people saw the ad, the ads but they were also the best thing to happen to PMI because people would come in looking for the spider we'd have one or two but then we'd show them how great the piranha was mm -hmm. and that was that was an easy sell yeah yeah, yeah. those are good times <laughs> yeah yeah it was <laughs> um oh, i lost my train of thought hmm so so here well, it's <laughs> it's the PIMS, if I must be truthful. So, with both of you guys in here, you're both John. You're you and you and Pev are, are both ensconced in the industry at two different sort of places. John, you're maybe a little more removed because you're 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 sort of kind of hovering around it. What do you guys think? If I were to ask you right now, what is the status of the industry? Are you thinking that we are seeing an incline, a decline? Where do you think we are in paintball versus where we have come from, or or, or where do you think we're going right now? Have you want to go? I, I mean, as a field owner, a store operator, and a guy who sits on Go Sports and produces shows, um, still involved with tournaments. I mean, um, what I have seen is the is the in, increase in the tournament paintball side again. Um, you know, we're starting to see the, the I, what I believe the regrowth of that because both because of the mechanical side and what has happened with the growth in NXL. What what I'm still struggling with is the new players that are coming out, the younger generation. No, oh, it's frozen again. Okay, John, you know, and, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean. Um, yeah that's okay what's happened when you get a little older yeah oh yeah just wait <laughs> just wait Pav. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I don't know. As I get older, I notice the bruises between my thighs getting lower. <laughs> I, need <wa> <laughs> I need water. I'm not touching any of that. <laughs> Joe and Gavin were so quiet. <laughs> well, we're just we're listening. You know. We invited you guys to be on to kind of give you guys the opportunity to chat, and and you know we're we're more than happy to fill an hour normally, and we'll get our chance next Monday. Um, and Todd's actually someone who's been on the show multiple times. I'm just saying is like it just it's a it's funny to me because I'm like I'm so used to listening to the show and in hearing Joe chime in or Gavin chime in or you know. Every is I feel like John and I at least um, had a lot of good content and a lot of good story to talk about. And Absolutely. that you all, you all were very professional in the aspect of letting us talk and, and share that. Well, this is um, this is My part one of good. four. I don't, I don't know if I told right. you guys. Part one of four. And, and uh, you know, Pep, I was absolutely being sincere about uh, my appreciation and the, and the accolades uh, for for all the work that you guys have done up until this point and what you can do in the future. So, like, I'm, I'm sort of fanboying right now and just sort of watching the monitor and listening to uh, the stories. So. Not me. I want Bud Orr. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, again, so thank you both, gentlemen, for uh, for you are welcome. Really and, yeah. I, and I'm and I don't want to chime in too much, Pep, because I want to sit down with you one night and listen to more CIA stuff that's all i care about <laughs> and hey, john, john john's lived in a house that had that furniture in it i did yes i did <laughs> see john and i the only time we ever get a chance to talk is we've seen each other at events and he's got a camera in his hand and i'm probably got a bottle of water and i'm chatting with someone and that's about what we you know we, we say hi yeah. to each other in passing and that's about all it's ever been and uh you know, uh, John's a way out of my league anyway, so I never oh, would have, whatever. you know, approached him. But no, it's it, it's it's nice to finally have you guys on the show and and, and have a chat. Um, but as uh, I say, I'm next week it. we'll be rambling our same yes. boring stories and cinching my sack, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wading chest deep through a mosquito infested bog. All, everything's gonna come back. Yeah, no, it's good. So Todd, yeah. back to that to that question. I, yeah. I was thinking about this. Um, so where the game is at, I, I think. I, mean, I talk to a lot of field owners, um, and Pav, I'm sure you have an opinion on this too, but I talk to a lot of field owners, and it seems to me that the field owners that do a really good job are really having a lot of success right now, um, you know, bad weather uh, you know, for a year aside. Um, and, the, and most of the fields that were doing really a poor job are gone. Yeah. Um, so I don't think the game is doing maybe the numbers that it had, you know, well, we know it hasn't done the numbers it's had a decade ago, um, but it's strong from that perspective, I think. Um, I think the biggest um, area where the where the game has changed is the amount of guns being sold. Um, you know, there's so many recycled Titman guns and recycled yep. everything. Um, well, and that, you know, we, that's we heard we we've been talking to and and hearing a lot of stories about marketing to millennials, which is the the group that we're we're you know selling yes. a lot to right now, and they put very little um, validity into In possessions. So like that's right. back when we were young, if you didn't feel well, you know, buy yourself something. Go to the store and buy yourself something. Buy a bigger TV. That's going to make you feel better. A bigger, faster car, you know. But the millennials, they spend their money. They find value in spending their money on experiences. And maybe that also ties into their social media credit where, you know, they'll go paintballing because then they can take a selfie at a paintball field and that, you know, and that's that right. shows on, on, the, on there. So from a retailer standpoint, it really kind of sucks. But on the same token, you know, we're also seeing a cycle right now where, you know, at the field, Joe and I will run into a guy who's got what looks to be mint condition evil pants with an old autococker or a PCS gun that comes out with his son. 
And I haven't played in 10 years, but, you know, I got little Johnny here with me, and I thought I'd show him the ropes. And uh, we're seeing a we're lot seeing of that coming back. seeing a lot of that. They're, you're seeing your second and third generation players come out. Now, guys yeah. that haven't played in the 80s are coming out with their, their grandchildren or guys that played, you know, 10 or 12 years ago are coming out with their 12, 14, 15, 16-year-old kids. So you're seeing a, a second generation of, of potential enthusiasts. Yeah. But, but I, I, If you notice the uh, Ironmen, new, their new classic paintball roster um, is you know eight or nine guys and then four or five of the kids of those guys, the original Ironmen kids. So that's, awesome. that's kind of cool. So their sons are playing now on the team, and they're really good too. That's nice. Hmm. Um, Going back to your point about uh, the the stronger fields uh, surviving, I will tell you that Joe and I have worked harder in the last four years to bring numbers to our field in marketing, um, promotion, and we've adopted. I mean, back in the day, we had paintball. Now we have paintball, nerf, axe throwing, yep. low impact, airsoft, mag fed so paintball, open speed ball, like anything that we can possibly throw to the wall to let it stick to bring people to the field. Um, right. If there was, you know, if we could have RC cars in our parking lot, we would. Anything that we could do to bring people. And there are so many people, there's so many fields out there that, how can I say this? There's lots of guys that we know that, hey, you know what? I love paintball so much. I'm going to start a field and I have a friend who has a farm. And next thing you know, he's started a paintball field. No insurance. Um, not the best customer service. And then they're around for a couple of years. They discount. There's a race to the bottom. And then they're out of business. Surprise, surprise. And then another guy starts up. So the That's one been thing going about, on since, you know, the first since time day I one. So at least yeah. with, the, with the way that the paintball has been going, those people have had a less survival rate. Um, mm -hmm. But like Joe and I, we've worked our asses off over the last little while. And uh, it's been a hard fight. It's been a real yeah. hard fight, and we may look like we are succeeding, and maybe we are a little bit, but we're nowhere near where we were 10 years ago. 2007, 2008 when it peaked, but we're, yeah, we're trying to market That's everything. when Joe had crunk in his teeth. Oh, yeah. Crunk <laughs> in his teeth. Good for you. <laughs> you kids and your bangled words. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Um should we end it? It's nine thirty. We yeah. should probably we should probably finish this off yeah, here. Joe's playing with Velcro on the. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I kept staring at I'm you. Sorry, you I'll up. stop. I'll stop. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I just fidget. Yeah. So, so John, thank you so much for being on the show, John. Make sure you, if you guys are listening at home that you guys check out uh, paintball.media. If you don't find it, follow uh, Behind the Bunker. We'll, sh we'll share it every time that he releases a new trailer. Um, great. I'm super stoked to see this documentary. Absolutely. And to be honest with you, John, don't screw up. We all have a lot oh. uh, we're, we're hoping for uh, to come out on this documentary. Yeah, you guys are in it. You're, you're the whole show, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, come on. You've already lost. You've already lost your money then. Yeah, everybody's already heard the history, so we might as well give them the new stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're, our name is going to be at the end of the credits after after it looks like it's over. Paintball, Ten minutes of silence. Paintball and Media then... is on Instagram now, too. That's right. I saw that. So follow them on Instagram, paintball.media. And they have the most handsome person working for them second only to john but that joshua silverman i mean <laughs> you get lost when you look in that fellow's He's eyes <laughs> he is the dreamiest <laughs> i'm staying away from that one bud <laughs> at our paintball store like 25 years ago yeah
Josh came into our store, um, was a day we were getting one of the old PCRI magazines delivered and he looked at it and then he came back about a week later with some drawings that he did. Little known fact, Josh is a pretty decent artist did some drawings of uh, some guns that we were gonna review in the next issues. So it was, that's how we kinda, how we got to know him. And he was a kid, he was like in his teens. See now when he told the story, cause I've heard this story not to give it away, but he said that he had sketches of you. <laughs> Me? No, no There's like a and, bearskin rug. And, the, and pictures of Walter <laughs> Brennan. <laughs> He's an artist, not a magician. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Jesus. So make sure you guys follow paintball.media on all the social devices out there. And uh, Pev, it was nice to have you on the show again. Um, uh, by the way, I forgot to apologize. You and I had sort of an un unwritten rule that the Monday before every NXL event, we'd have you on. And we yeah. missed last Monday. My, um, yeah, there's been a lot of stuff. To the curb. Well, I there was what a, happened. Okay, okay. In all honesty, all I'm not going to get into it on air, but there's a lot of stuff going on in my family life, some health issues. So I completely missed it. And and and, and for me, not reaching out, I apologize because the last thing I want to have is a pev on my bad side. So yeah, I've got lupus. <laughs> you be around again because you know you you know you haven't I haven't heard from you in a while, and then I had no idea John was going to be on the show. So I was like, how? Good stuff. Like, hey, uh, you, if you want, want me to jump in, I, I knew I was going to be in the Ghost Sports um, uh, for a week down here in Florida. And I was like, I might as well jump in. But yeah. to be honest with you, I would have rather jumped in in the home because my internet works a whole lot goddamn yeah. better. The, the the worst is that both of you guys wore blue shirts. So people at home, it's very hard to decide to decipher who is who. Oh, I don't know. He, he's got the uh, the pretty boy model looks, you know, and I'm kind of, you know. <laughs> and, and by the way, I guess I've gotten a lot of <laughs> harassment online about the picture I chose for you. You were very young and spry in the picture I chose. I thought it was a flattering picture. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Whatever. Awesome. It was good. Whatever. I thought you were going to use the one from Extravaganza with my big neck brace around me. Yeah, that's nice, No, too. I would not have done that. Jeez, that's fun. How you crashed your um, your Segway. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey. Just, just so we're clear, right outside the road here, um, they two weeks ago they finally put barricades up with caution tape and cones around where the air, where the sidewalk's missing. Nice. And, and then when I drove by today, it's now re-cemented with all brand new cement. So it's very interesting how none of this was happening, and now every sidewalk that's got a missing hole in it is suddenly being paved right now. Nice. 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 Did you forward them yeah. your plane ticket? <laughs> Doing the state and the city. Nice. Wow. Jeez. All right. Well, listen, we should probably let you go. It is now 935 yes, our time here. Garbage night. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Good so night, guys. thanks, John, so much for being on the show. And thank you uh, for, for doing this. And we'll have you back on again because this was not a one hit wonder. This is uh, now that we know you, we're going to we're going to bug you. So sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Do. And Pev, this was your last one. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 I won't be back. So um, um, thank you very much. This is my farewell tour. Um, you know, uh, I wish everybody the best. Uh, you know, I I, I, I I hope that Gavin can cinch his sack plenty more time. You're like the Rolling Stones on your final tour. We heard that back in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So, you know, if I had a mic, I would drop it right now, but I don't have one. So peace, guys. And uh and I, I, uh, I, I hope to hear. I'm looking forward to the next NXL event to see who you have on the show that on that Monday. <laughs> That's awesome. 
I heard that Nick. I heard, heard that. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! I'm glad that's not a video. <laughs> it will be on YouTube. All right, guys. Uh, don't go anywhere, John and uh, and Mike. Uh, Matt, we're going to end it. So thank you guys for being on the show. Thank you, Gavin. Wonderful to be here. Thanks again, folks, for tuning in. And make sure you like and share if you're watching the program. And tell your friends to download this wonderful podcast. And thank you, Joe, for being on the show. Thanks very much. See everybody next week. Pew, pew. Awesome. And thank you to the deadbeats that uh, came in on the on uh, via our studio, uh, Satellite Studio. Thank you very much. We'll see you guys next week.